ego is your worst enemy. So you put that aside and you focus and put your head down and focus on what's the most important for you and your family today. Hey, it's JP. Hi, it's Excel. And you're listening to Terry Shower on the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Today, I'm with Abby Crispin, who is a founder at Claria. Co-founder, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't so often go down to people's offices to have a chat with them, but we are having an exception today. Good, Terry. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, Abby, maybe by way of introduction, you can tell us a little bit about your journey through life that has led you to be sitting with me here today. Of course. Uh, so I actually started my career as a, an event director, if you want, for a uh, nonprofit organization. And that led me to develop amazing relationship with you know, very big philanthropists, you know, big names. Uh, so I, with time, I was setting up myself an address book, right? A, a database that I didn't know what I was going to do with, but it was actually, uh, for me, the most precious thing I could have, right? And, and just growing up, I always had the thing of saying, you know what? It's not going to be the quantity of people I'm going to meet. I need to eventually start taking the time and build alliances, right? So the people I get to meet, I need to be able to pick up the phone at some point in my career and ask for a favor. So fast forward from being a, an event director, if you want, organizing big events in the nonprofit philanthropy world, I then transitioned into real estate. Uh, my first five years were at uh, Devoncore as a broker and then uh, got recruited by CBRE at the age of 25, 26 to become vice president and open up their suburban office. At that time was in uh, Saint-Laurent, Quebec. Fast forward, promotion after promotion, I was very fortunate. I then had the opportunity of becoming the managing director and overseeing all of the operations for Quebec. And that was from an appraisal standpoint, brokerage and project management. Uh, I then went on to uh, oversee Eastern Canada. And then, you know, long story short, I had more of a national role, which was uh, an amazing opportunity. Uh, and this is from a, I guess, a real estate, you know, kind of understanding market wise to understanding the human beings, which in my opinion are the most important thing that we deal with day in, day out in today's market. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, so tell me about your transition from the brokerage space to the private equity space, because just to, to you know, clarify that a little bit. So um, Abby today is really you know, heading Claria, which is a private equity slash developer. I don't yeah, know if that's exactly yeah. well said. Yeah. Focusing on multi-family, uh, so we, for the time being, are looking to develop and or to acquire properties and minimum of 200 units or more. And right now we are looking to build anywhere between 25 to 3,500 units within the next couple of years. Uh, and we have an existing portfolio of over 1,200 or 1,300 units as we speak. Uh, and to answer your question, it is a massive difference from brokerage world to the private equity and, and you know, for, for specific reasons per se. So you think that you're in real estate and you know it all when you're on the brokerage side and then you end up on the private equity side investment, which is the opposite, right? Which are they were once upon a time our clients to realize you don't know much in real estate <laughs> and the runway is still pretty impressive. And I have to say that for me, I was looking for a challenge, a new challenge, and I wanted to learn. And multifamily was a segment that I was, I had a good database of clients and potential investors, but I needed to, to learn the ins and outs, hence why 
when I partnered up with Michael, my, my partner, the co-founder, I got the opportunity to learn so much. And every day up to today, now it's been two years, I could say there's not a single day that goes by without learning. And it's been, I guess, again, very different because you're, you're actually trying to find creative ways, creative solutions to build, right, today. What are the new trends? Every single area where you decide to actually build, it's demographics that you need to adjust to, different cultures. What, what do they need, right? Uh, compare, and and this, this is, we're talking about even just a few kilometers away from, from one another. So you're always having to be a step forward and to try to find ways to eventually fill up your, your buildings, rent them, and or eventually sometimes we have condo projects. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think um, we had a bit of an off-camera discussion uh, the last time we met about your maybe unique approach to relationship building and to success in this field. And I know you put a very high stock in relationships. Maybe you can tell us a little bit, you know, like like going from the brokerage space to then the private equity space and like really at quite a high level. You know, you mentioned your your address book and your network as one of the keys to your success. So what is your philosophy on human relationships and building those in a way that's going to facilitate what you want to do? So I would say uh, in this specific business, but even most business per se, trust, I would say, is the number one factor, right? But you don't realize it until you actually need those individuals in your life day in, day out. You need those individuals to invest uh, in part of your projects. And then you fast forward, you understand that these people are actually investing in you before investing in the actual project. And that's where you start saying to yourself, you know what, thank God for all of these relationships and being honest and, you know, going out of your way for people and to make sure that you actually make every single person that you meet live a different experience and and be present. You understand when you're with someone, give your full attention because today I can say I benefited from every single one of my meetings, connections, you know, developing those relationships. They're all mostly clients of ours today. And when I look at some of our competitors, if you want, they tell me when we need to raise funds for friends and family, you know, sometimes you need to raise three million, four or five million. It doesn't seem like a very big number, right? But but it's a hundred thousand dollars here, two hundred thousand dollars there, five hundred thousand dollars. For most of our competitors, it is so hard to do. You're right that those numbers uh, might seem smaller, you know, on the larger scale. But if people don't trust you, there's no reason they will invest a single penny with you. And that's where I would say has been so far, it's been such, I would say, I'm so grateful, right, to have built all of these relationships with these individuals because they made my life so much easier. And today, most of our friends and families, you're one phone call away and you're like, hey, I have a deal. And they want to listen and they invest. And most of them are investing the same people, same circle investing in all of these deals. Mm-hmm. But so, okay, I think you're being um, maybe a little bit, um, how can I say, modest because grateful for your network, yes, but that's something that you build. Yeah. So, you know, you, you say trust is, is very important. Like, how do you approach relationships? Like if I, you know, we're trying to give give value to our audience and if they can walk away from this and say, I'm going to bring a different energy or I'm going to bring a different approach to relationships. Yes, you have to build trust. But like, how do you do that? What's the secret sauce? So it's investing your time and there's nothing with nothing. So I'm the extreme. Okay. So if you can find a just middle or, you know, a healthy balance, it would be great. 
So I'm out four nights a week, from Monday to Thursday. Every single evening, I am talking to someone. I'm having dinner with someone. I'm invested on different boards, committees. And when I say boards, non-paying boards, right? This is typical community philanthropy, giving from your time, positioning yourself, but always giving without expecting anything in return. And I'd say it's very important because people feel it. If you go up and you spend the night and all you're doing is can't wait to give your, your business card, you just, you're losing credibility. Just go, ask questions, listen to people. Everyone has amazing stories. If people are interested in you, they'll ask you the questions. But most people, and you know what, if you don't mind this anecdote, because it was, um, I remember going on this date. This is, again, many, many, many years ago. And I was just asking questions. And, you know, the girl in front of me was talking and talking and talking and talking. And, you know, what? she was smiley and giggly and the whole thing. And, you know what? We have friends in common. And the friend called me after the night, you know, after our, our date night. And she says, oh, my God, what did you do to her? She is so happy. She's so excited. She loves you. She thinks you're amazing. And I was just laughing because actually she didn't even ask a single question. You know, all I did was, you know, to let her talk, right? And sometimes the key to success is, is right there and then. That being said, every single night, I strategically choose someone, you know, to go out with and discuss market and, and ask questions about them. Every single lunch, I'm out networking as well. So just between those two, obviously the family hits, it gets a hit, right? So and I know it was a question of time before you ask about family, but family, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, there's nobody that could ever ask me anything other than my family. You're 100% present, and we've decided as a family to say, look, I'd rather be when I'm here, 100% pre present, than being here seven days a week, here but not here. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. So it's an investment, but it's worth every single moment of my career so far. Enjoying the episode so far? Have you really been listening to the episode or has your monkey mind been taking you off in one direction or another? Our mental habits can be our biggest assets or our biggest liabilities as we pursue certain goals. For me, the biggest performance gains have always come from training my mind. In my book, Mindful Landlord, I talk about how you can train your mind and how you can apply some of these strategies to your journey in the real estate field. The book is available on Amazon and also on its website, mindfullandlord.com. Now I'll stop evangelizing for the power of mental training and let you get back to the show. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you, um, you know, jumped ahead a little bit into to the next question, but I'm going to put it to you again, and maybe this is going to be your answer. But I think, um, you know, a lot of what of the vibe that is out there in the investment world today is, you know, people are posting photos of themselves at hockey games uh, with cars, whatever it is to make it look like they're, you know, living the fast life and everything's rosy and beautiful. But I think one of the things that we don't talk about so much is the lifestyle hit that we all have to take on our path to success, because it's just not true to say that you don't have to give something up or you don't have to sacrifice something. And, you know, you mentioned it as far as family time, but like, do you feel like that's always what it was or earlier in your career? Was there something else? Like, what were the sacrifices? What was the lifestyle hit that you took to become the founder of Claria, the private equity company that looks at 200 plus units? So, so it's a very interesting question because for most of my career, I decided to live off of what's the worst case. Okay. Because we take life for granted. And, and many people think they're bigger than the brands. And, and you see it. You see it in Montreal. You see it in Canada. You see it in Hollywood. You see it in the news. 
um, everybody thinks they're just, you know, untouchable. And, and in today's world, you, you need to make sure to, if you want to have a healthy life, right, and, and a good life balance, is to say, what's the worst thing that could happen and what's the best thing that can happen? If you invest and you want to buy the big house and the big cars and the big this and this and that, you need to make sure that you can afford it, even in, if you're in your best, your worst case. Up to today, my life is made in such a way that always permitted me to, to take a move or pull a move the way I did going from being number two uh, in a you know, multinational company, private, right? The whole big CBRE brand to saying, okay, I'm going to start all over now, right? And I want to be able to give myself a fair chance to become an entrepreneur and an investor, right? And to be in real estate, but I could never do that if I got myself hooked and debts and being irresponsible to want to show people that I have the big house, the big car. So up to today, very humble life. And I say to myself, the only times I will start investing and doing outside of the day-to-day -day business is the day I know that I have enough to cover for my life and my kids and family and so forth. But big, um, I would say it's a big, big, big commitment because obviously people look at you and they're like, aren't you this big hotshot and you live there? Yes, you know it? Because ego is your worst enemy. So you put that aside and you focus and put your head down and focus on what's the most important for you and your family today. Yeah, and I, I think that's really, really great advice because I think, you know, security is always a great place to make stretch moves from. Sure. And if you are over leveraged with the nice car, the nice house, the nice whatever, the moves that you dare to make in your life as an investor or that in your life as an entrepreneur are going to be lower or smaller because you're worried about protecting this base camp that is such a high overhead. And so I think, you know, if for, for the investors listening, like having a, a lean ship or running a low overhead or maybe delaying gratification on the yacht yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, is a, you know, a hit that, that we can take in order to allow us to take those risks and like pursue those stretch goals and some of the other things we do. I, you know what? I agree. And specifically in today's market, with what you see, you know, when they say you fake it till you make it, I, I'm all about it, right? Today, you can buy yourself, and this is man, woman, suits, you know, at $100. You don't need to spend $1,000. There's there's enough out there to make you look great if you want to look, you know, and, and talk, you know. The, the walk the and wa talk the talk. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> right? So, so you can do that in a very, you know, reasonable way. You don't have to invest at the big but today's market where people over leveraged their lives, forget just building, that's when you're going to see the real versus the, oh, I needed to fake it. And unfortunately, I got caught. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's change tax a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I have been asked more by audience members is to put some numbers on the business model. So, sure. you know, uh, I think we all kind of are familiar with what private equity is, but if you could just demystify that a little bit. So if I'm sitting in the seat of friends and family and I have 50K or 100K to invest with you, what does that end up looking like? Okay, so the, uh, and this is a world I discovered as well not too long ago that I was fascinated and I'm like, oh, this is how you make money, right? Um, so what it is, it's very simple. It's, you have two or maybe more ways to go about building wealth. But if you're already busy, right, and your business is not real estate, you want to invest in real estate, the initial reaction, people are like, oh, maybe I buy myself a duplex or maybe I buy myself a condo and I rent it out or just, a, you know, multifamily like sixplex or whatever. But there's work attached to it. 
you might not be a handy person. You might not even know, even your tenants. There's so many factors that can make that experience extremely painful. And at the end, and I've seen so many people come out of there and having to sell their assets at some point because it was just too much. They didn't make a single penny, right? And then they're like, oh, this was a terrible experience. On the private equity side, you look at the actual asset class that you are looking to invest where you feel the most comfortable. It could be multi-residential, it could be industrial, it could be office. And you look at it and there's the returns that are attached to it. And they say, look, if you put $100,000 with us today, for this specific project, because it's a bit longer term return, which a longer term for me is about five to seven years, you keep your money every year. If everything goes as planned, you're going to be accumulating 15% returns, right? That are compounded and that you're, you're going to get once we actually exit of that specific transaction. And again, for those that don't necessarily understand all the terminology, I'll give you a perfect example. So we have this new building that we're going to be starting to dig in the month of December or January. Friends and family, we're going to accumulate about $7 million. So we need to go again, go get 100,000 here, 200,000 here and so forth. So if you put 100,000, by the end of the five years, once it's all stabilized, that means you fill up your building, it's all rented. We keep ourselves a little buffer of three, four percent of vacancy. Once you sell it, you come out of there with a multiple of two, sometimes three. So you come out of there with three hundred thousand dollars, and that's kind of your return on the deal. Most people that understand this today are extremely pleased with this type, these types of investments. They have nothing to do; they invest their money, and for them, it's like a fund, right? You just inject your money there. Is that clear? Does that answer? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. But so let me just uh, unpack this. So basically, you're making a commitment that that money is going to stay in the deal for five years. Do you guys pay a dividend every year or that money is available just at the end? Uh, just at the end. And most people are like, is, is it guaranteed? No, it's, it's, it's not. Unfortunately, it's not guaranteed. But on the flip side, it is real estate, right? Stock market, you know, if you lose, you lose it. The worst case in real estate, you still have an asset that's connected to the investment. Mm -hmm. Something will happen. But that's on the development side. So we have other investments where the returns are slightly lower because lower risk. And those will have dividends attached to them. And each month, sometimes, depending on the, the type of asset class, sometimes even each quarter, there are dividends coming out. Again, smaller returns. I'd call them, you know, more guaranteed. There's nothing guaranteed in life, but you can get dividends from the get-go. Okay, so let's, let's just delve into that for a second. So we have the 15% return model, which is on the development side. Mm -hmm. You're putting your 100K in there and you're coming out in five years time with either 200K or 300K, depending right. on what, how well things go. Yeah. Now take me into the, I guess, some more stable kind of lower risk, lower return yeah. model. How would you call that? So we, today you would say, okay, Terry, if you put um, $100,000 on this you know, actual portfolio, Today, your returns are maybe 3.9%, 4%. So the gap is pretty impressive, mm -hmm. right? It's a, mm -hmm. it's a big gap. However, Terry, we're going to be exiting, meaning we're going to just take these assets and we're going to renovate them. We're going to boost up the rents with never, and it's super important, there's no evictions attached to it. It's always on uh, eventually on departures that you actually renew and then you pretty much double the rents, right? Because those are assets where there's a very big upside on the value add. And once 
we manage to do the 50% turnover, then you actually sell the asset class. And that's where you can have 15, 20% returns. But you sell the existing 4%, and you'd be surprised how many people would rather have 4% returns and say, okay, fine, in three years, if we make money, great. But in the meantime, I want, versus others that are like younger, or like, I, I'm good five years, six years, I didn't know where to put my money. Let me invest it there and I'm okay. So I would say generations were anywhere between 55 or 60 years old and over. If they invest for five, six years, it's because they want to do it for their kids. 65 over, rather not the five, six, seven years, rather something short term. And the newer generation that are in the 30s, 40s are all about, hey, I'm looking for a 10-year plan. Okay. But so just to be really specific, if I want to invest in one of those existing buildings, mm -hmm. I have 100K, Abby, take my 100K. So every year you're paying me a three, 4% dividend. And then in five years time, there's the potential upside. Upside. And which would be in this case, um, it could be 15, 20% compounded annually. Because of course, the, there's a way bigger value attached right, to the actual asset. If you managed to double all of these rents, right? This is how we go get the the the, the upside, if you want. And and it's and it's um, we do it on a promote structure. And you'll stop me if it's too complicated. But the way we calculated it, we say, look, to all investors from zero to ten percent that we do, all goes back to you, prorated. Okay. So let's say the private equity doesn't touch a single penny. The second ring would say the private equity would say, okay, I'll take the following one percent as a catch of fee. That's for us. And then 75, 25 for anything that goes over 12% up to 17. And then anything that's 17% or, or more in terms of return that we made is going to be 65, 35. Always in favor of the investor. So I know right now it's a lot of numbers, but once you start calculating, it gives you a really good idea. People always ask us, how's our promote structure? So it's important for you to understand so that if you have the opportunity to invest, at least you know it's fair because those are more or less the, the fair numbers in today's market. Okay. And so if I think that this sounds interesting and I don't want to deal with like tenants and toilets, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, what's the best way to find the private equity firm that's right for me? I have my $100,000. I want to invest with someone. Should I invest with Abby? Should I invest with someone else? How do I go about understanding that market and then picking the right partner? Look, it's a very good question because it seems so simple, but it's not. You're always investing, you know, so you're always, you need to be referred by someone that's going to tell you, go for it. I've done it. It's been amazing. And, or he doesn't have a track record. However, he knows his real estate and you can trust the human. If he tells you or she, or she that they can go get XYZ returns, you couldn't ask for better people to, have, to, to do business with. However, this is not something you just Google, private equity, where can I? No. <laughs> you're right. I have money. Who you're can right. I give my money to? <laughs> so, no, but because, again, you're, this, for most people, like, you know, whether it's 50000 or 100000 it could be all of their savings. So one thing, one advice, and I'm going to answer for sure your question, but it's important. If you only have 50000 or you only have 100000 in your savings, don't put it all in one specific deal. You need to diversify like anything else, okay? And the, the private equity or whomever you're investing with doesn't want to feel like you're stressed and you start calling every month what's going on with my money or, or are we going to have it. People don't want to deal 
with individuals that are investing for the first time and that every single penny counts. You say to yourself, look, I did my due diligence. I know that Terry is the best person to invest with. I'm all in. I'm going to do, I'll give 50 because then I'll keep myself another 50 just in case. And for me, that money is long gone. God knows what's going to happen with. In my opinion, that's the best approach. There's no emotions. And obviously, like anything else, there's a risk in life. The only thing is, is that it's attached to real estate. And that's how you have to see it. Or else it becomes extremely stressful. The experience is not fun. And you might as well open a restaurant. <laughs> well, that is a way higher failure rate. <laughs> um, no, but I, you know, I think that's that's really good advice. And I've talked to you know other people who are, are more into doing joint ventures and, and syndications. And that's one of the things that they always say is they say, I don't want to be dealing with someone's entire savings. Mm-hmm. And I don't want there to be this level of anxiety attached to whatever's going on, because that means that the person's going to be there, you know, being very anxious and, and, and wanting to be constantly updated and, yeah. and micromanage things because they're very attached to the, that outcome. Sure. So I think that's a, a uh, what, what you're owed though, from any private equity is communication, communication. If from the get go, they'll tell you every quarter, you're going to get a newsletter or every month, there's going to be an email going out just to tell you, you know, or a portal that's on the website, your owed updates, no matter what, but it needs to be clear from the get-go. Okay. And, and then more than that, as I said, there's, they don't know, you know, what's going to happen. And, and we look at it in today's market. Uh, six months ago, we were saying, we were talking about 25% returns, literally. Now we're like crossing our fingers, you know, hoping to get 15. But again, in, in a market like today, that's so volatile, 15% is huge, but that's not what you promised. So is the market going to get back? We're all crossing our fingers. But can one say, I know exactly, and I'm going to tell you? No. And if they do, maybe you shouldn't invest with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So I think we're, you know, we're coming up on, on uh, the amount of time that we have. But I think you, you know, mentioned something that I just want to pull on. So you're talking about market conditions and how we've really, you know, there's been COVID was an extremely volatile time, but mm-hmm. also a time where you kind of couldn't make a mistake. And today we're in an environment where it's almost difficult to find a move to make that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give for, you know, maybe smaller investors, people who are trying to decide what to do with their money? Maybe they need to borrow money to do whatever project they were thinking of doing. What advice would you give people in this environment? So I would say, look, there's there's a market for everything, right? And, you know, during a recession, you can make money. Because there's distressed assets, you can you know pay, I don't know, fifty percent off or thirty percent off, twenty percent off of what the actual value of these assets can be. You're you're coming out of there with something, right? During hot, red hot markets, it's a market. Where there's no market is when you have l'incertitude, when it's uncertain times, when it's gray. Uh, this very often happens during you know campaign, uh, political campaign. Who's the next? you know, prime minister, who's the next minister, who, and, and so forth, so where people are like, Oof, this can have an impact financially on me. I'm not going to invest. Those for brokers, uh, for investors is the worst time because there's nothing happening. Mm-hmm. It's pens down. So I would say right now is pens down. Right now is not the time, in my humble opinion, to, to, to invest. I know it sounds a bit shocking, but it is a reality because tomorrow you don't know what's going to happen. Now, Again, as soon as there's a distressed fund that's going to start being, because uh, you're going to start seeing them more and more created by different private equities, 
meaning, hey, give me $100,000. We're going out there. And this is the time we're going we're gonna to pay 50% off of. And this is great because we all we have to do is renovate, do this, 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 and that. And by the time this market rebounds, we're in a great position. That's fine. But for now, there's hardly no discounts. And, and landlords, owners are not willing to sell today because they're like, oh, if I'm going to lose 30% of my value, I'm not going to put on the market. So everyone's on hold. So you're going to feel it. People are going to run after you for your money. So my recommendation is today, as long as you don't find any distressed assets and you're going to buy it more or less for market condition, you know, prices, values, don't buy, don't invest, keep your money. It's the smartest thing you can do. This is maybe going to last six months. Maybe it's going to last 12 months. But I'd rather you have your money safe in your bank account right now than actually trying to play cowboy, right? And, and try to, to play the hero. Uh, if someone has a great plan for you, listen to what they have to say. Ask around. And even feel free to reach out to me through Terry, of course. And I'll be more than happy to tell you what I think. But right now, we're not approaching anyone for any fundraising because it's not the time. And we wouldn't want to you know, invest elsewhere as well if we didn't think the time was right. Mm -hmm. Thank that, you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, that's a really, really good advice. And I think there's this, I, uh, you say pens down, I call them inflection moments. Mm -hmm. And there was another moment like this kind of when COVID started and nobody knew what directions things were going to take. Are we going to have an, you know, an economic meltdown? Mm -hmm. I think then we all got surprised and things appreciated like crazy. But there was another inflection point or a pens down moment when it's like, look, I, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. It's difficult to make predictions of which way this ball is going to bounce. And if, you know, all real estate assets in Canada are going to lose 30% in the next year, do you really want to be the one who bought at full price <laughs> at 6% interest? 100%. Da, 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 da. Anyway, <laughs> no, no, but it, it makes me yeah. laugh because most of the time brokers are going to send, you know, LinkedIn or whatever. We just hold the most expensive house of the last decade. And I'm like, imagine I'm the buyer, <laughs> right? Like you, you don't feel good about yeah, that, yeah, ad, right? Yeah, so yeah. I get what you're saying. Anyways, <laughs> For sure. Go, go. Um, so Avi, thank you. Uh, this was definitely worth, worth the trip downtown to come and have an in-person interview. Um, what's the best way for our audience to connect with you, to reach out to you if they want to learn more about what you do? Um, so avi at clariadev.com uh, and or call me on cell. And I say it and I'll give you my phone number. It's 514-886-5962. And the reason I'm doing this is that very quickly, I went to this conference in Florida recently and there was the five mayors of every single city of Florida on a panel. And I love their approach. And the one from, I think, was uh, Miami-Dade, uh, or it was, I think, South Florida. He actually gave his cell number. There was 3,000 people on the stand. And he says, come and do business in my town. And I found that to be amazing, because usually they're always kind of against projects. So I'm like, here's my cell phone. Call me anytime. I'll be more than happy to assist. Yeah, it's you know who else does that as a uh, Grant Cardone. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> so you're in good company. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Abby, thank you for being with me today. My pleasure. Thank you, Terry. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at TerryShower.com. Her book Mindful Landlord is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club.
Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.